Bizzle. We call it the Jesse James. Jesse, aka the Bizzle. Yo, the Bizzle. Thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle. Thank you, the Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. All right, Bizzlecast listeners, welcome back to the Bizzlecast. Here with my guy Matt Goisman, aka Maddie G, um, who in our last podcast. Uh, which was two podcasts because it was well over three hours, with a, was a brilliant conceived idea to apply Dungeons & Dragons classes to, at that point, uh, Matt chose to do DC Comics characters, like in the comics, not on television the big screen. And while initially, Matt, you had suggested me doing Marvel, either on screen or comic books, I ended up doing Star Wars and it ended up working right. fantastic. So tonight, guys, we're back to do another edition of this. But tonight, leading up to Avengers Endgame, um, we are going to do MCU characters. So Marvel Cinematic Universe characters, as they represented on this screen, they have to be at least moderate characters. They don't have to be major characters. They have to be at least moderate characters, I think, looking at both of our lists, right? Are, are significant characters. And it'll be interesting because we both are doing the same characters this time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, uh, yeah, go ahead. That's kind of what I thought w- would make this different is whereas with DC, to be blunt, I know more about DC deep lore than you do. Yes. And you know more about Star Wars deep lore than I do. We're working with the same basic stock data. So picking our ideal classes mm-hmm. or class representations from this it seems like a, an interesting variation. Absolutely. And what's interesting is you and I both predicted ahead of time that we'd have very similar lists. And they're, some, they're somewhat similar, actually somewhat different than I thought. Um, <clears throat> but it wasn't because of lack of characters. We've had, what, 20 MCU plus movies at this point? You know, and, and they keep getting bigger. I mean, Guardians has turned into a big team up. The Avengers team ups. Captain America: mm-hmm. Civil War was Avenger. You know, we called Avengers: Civil War two point Avengers two point five. Looking back now, having done the commentary the other day, it's really Avengers three. So Avengers Endgame in my book is really Avengers five. Avengers: Civil War is not a Captain America movie. He has very little time on screen for a solo movie. Um, and then of course Black Panther. You know, it's still T'Challa, but he's got tons of people. So we have a lot of people to choose from. And so Mm -hmm. it will be interesting as we go through our lists, Matt, to see if the ones that we cross over on are um, because of a quote-unquote lack of – relative lack of characters based on the giant Star Wars universe and the even more giant DC Comics universe – because it is, yes, 20 MCU films over the last 11 years, but there's still, you know, it's still fewer characters and, and less lore than if we had gone to Marvel Comics, for example. Oh, certainly. Um, I have a couple questions leading up to it. Um, but okay. first is, would you like to be the one to, to, because you came up with this brilliant idea last time, to briefly describe what this is and what we're doing here? And then I have a couple of oh, intro sure. questions and then we'll, we'll, we'll go into it. So go ahead, bud. Okay, so in Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition, which is the modern edition of the game, uh, there are 12 classes, which are the 12 different kinds of characters you can play, depending on whether or not you want to be somebody who hits people with a weapon, throws magic, does some other stuff. Those are called your classes. There are 12 different ones. They break down into all kinds of different subclasses about what kind of college you go to or what way you follow or what archetype you live up to. All of that is like lots and lots of customization options. It exists so you can, you know, if you think you have a character idea first, you can kind of figure out, okay, I think this character would be a good class with this subclass. Uh, And so what we're doing is we're taking MCU characters from any of the movies or any of the Defenders verse streaming stuff or any of the stuff that's been on network TV uh, and we're picking what our choice would be to represent each class. 
now, as I said with the Mar uh, DC Star Wars one, neither of us are experts in D&D. &D. We have got some experience with it, but there's possibilities. There are better choices. These are just what we went with uh, as a fun uh, mental exercise. Absolutely. And just to quickly recap, to give you guys an example, last time, <clears throat> and this will give you the 12 classes as I do the recap, um, mm -hmm. for Barbarian, Matt had Hawkman. I had, um, of course, Chewy, now I can't I find it. I had Chewy. Um, oh, shoot. Where's my list here? Hold on. I'm going <laughs> to cut this out. I literally just had the list. Okay. Let me co copy and paste this right underneath the thing from last time. Okay. Here we go. Okay. So, yeah. So, I had Chewy. That's Barbarian. Um, uh, for um, Fighter, Matt had Superman. I had um, uh, Mace Windu. Um, for Bard, I had Yoda. Matt had Zatanna. Um, for Rogue, uh, Grifter for Matt. Han Solo for the Bizzle. Um, for uh, Monk, I had um, Chirrut Imway, uh, a.k.a. Donnie Yen. Uh, Matt had Batman. Um, uh, for Paladin, um, I had, um, uh, let's who it, I had Obi-Wan Kenobi, and, uh, you had, I missed Cleric. No, Cleric, I had, I had Leia, and you had Wonder Woman. Then for mm -hmm. Paladin, I had Obi-Wan, um, you had, uh, Shazam, which looks yes. like it's doing, gonna do great. I, I mean, everyone seems to be liking it so far, that's a different podcast, but got good to Zachary Levi of all people to have a chance to do something like this. Good, good on him. Um, sure. so that's cool for Ranger. I had, um, Ezra Bridger, uh, from star Wars rebels. You had the green arrow, my favorite DC character. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then how did we go from there? Druid, you had swamp thing. Yeah. I had Qui-Gon and then, uh, Am I missing except for the final three magic classes? So then for Warlock, you had Green Lantern. I had Darth Maul. Spoiler yep. alert, I don't even have a Warlock for the list tonight, so that'll be interesting. Uh, Sorcerer, you had Constantine. I had um, Ray beating the Skywalkers. Um, and uh, for Wizard, you had Dr. Fate. And uh, which, back to the way, someone else brought up uh, in a podcast recently. Having never heard of Dr. Fate, it came up twice. And I had Ahsoka Tano. As the wizard. Um, and as you guys will see tonight when we get to Wizard Sorcerer, I kind of am still confused about those two. And so that might be a dis discuss because we have the same but in reverse order. I think, Matt, it's because I mixed up the definition of Sorcerer and Wizard and didn't go back. Um, sure. Because one of your questions for me was, Ray, with no training as a Sorcerer, might make more sense as a Wizard, right? And Ahsoka as totally trained up would make more sense as a Sorcerer. Am I getting that right? From my uh, with her training, I thought she might make for a better wizard. Wizard, but again, yeah, you know what D and D's definition of what separates one from the other—that's just their definitions right. and differences. In literary history, anything you know, as we'll get into with some of our choices, it makes literary sense to pick other stuff. So we'll get into all of that as we get into it. Um, I think we should uh, get started unless you had any uh, broad questions you wanted to ask ahead of time. Well, we do have to add a couple things, which is sure. even though the Fox sale has gone through to Disney, and which immediately has Deadpool already insulting his bosses. God bless Ryan Reynolds. Mm -hmm. um, by the way, I never realized how competitive the Disney branches are because even the, even the Lucasfilm people have been like ripping them. Unclear how serious or joking they are going after Disney. I think everyone's a little threatened right now at Disney about the $74 billion purchase. That being said, Matt, 
I think everyone in America should be feel a little bit threatened by absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And you and I wanted this not to happen for some similar and some different reasons. But I will say we have to be clear. While the X-Men, X-Force, Deadpool, all that stuff may enter into the MCU sooner rather than later, as of now, none of the X movies the from Fox and none of the Fantastic Four movies are applicable here. So this is the Kevin Feige, Iron Man, Avengers, Joss Whedon, John Favreau vision from 2008 to 2019, right? I think that I need to put that in there. Yes. Yeah. And so no X Men yeah. yet. Yep. And part of the reason I put that in there is because not only am I an X Men guy traditionally, so whereas I have all these Avengers MCU characters, it wouldn't have expanded my palette that much if I had gone to the Avengers in the comics because I don't really know a lot of Avengers in the comics that aren't in the MCU. But it would have right. expanded my palette greatly to not only have X Men on screen but X Men in the comics. And I had to just like keep slapping my hand, you know, uh, metaphorically to not start thinking about X-Men because in a lot of ways, X-Men is, I realize, more similar to Star Wars in this process because of all the different powers that are involved in all the different characters. So final question that we're going to jump into the list. Did you find this easier, harder than the DC stuff or uh, just a totally different experience? Probably about the same. There were a few classes I struggled with, and even as we're talking, I'm actually coming up with better options that I might surprise you with on the show. Uh, but in both cases, probably eight of the 12 classes I came up with pretty quickly, and then the other four I had to do a little bit of thinking and Wikipedia-ing to come up with good options. Absolutely. And what's going to be interesting about tonight's podcast, guys, um, is that the list itself, because we're using the same characters and you guys and we are all mostly on the same page, having seen most or all of the MCU movies, so says the money, um, will be <laughs> the ways in which I am going to have some changes of heart. And it sounds like you are already having some changes of heart. Um, yeah. And now we're on equal terrain here because – you know, I'm more of a Marvel zombie than you in terms of the comics, but the MCU, we are equally knowledgeable on this stuff. Yes. Um, and, you know, and like all the crazy uh, Avengers Endgame predictions I've been making on my podcast really is stuff coming from the comics as opposed to movie stuff. So we are, we are on the same plane here, man. We got the same thing going on. And so I want to jump into the classes Again, Matt, for just in case we're going to give a very short description of the – just a recap, like a quick recap of the class, whoever is doing that class first. Do you want to do it in the order that you sent me in the email or or do we want to do it in the order we did last time or, or otherwise? Like I can go any, any way here. I really don't have a preference of order. I kind of like starting with the combat people and ending with the magic people. So let's people. do the same thing. We'll do the same right. as last time. I'll make sure I'll make sure we're in the right order. I, I remember right. it from last time. So that's what we're gonna do. So again, guys, twelve classes, D and D. We're gonna give a quick description of the class. Um uh and uh Matt just played a six hour D and D. Um so he's a uh, mild mannered sports reporter by day and a blue dragon slaying D and D master paladin by night, correct? Well this well this time it was a <laughs> robot orc slaying uh, monk, but Robot orc. Uh oh, we're in yeah, Titan's grave territory. Yeah, there was time travel in this one. Yeah, Ooh. yeah, it was it was very Titan's gravy. It was fun. Well, um, me, me loves me time travel, which is why like everyone I talk to hates me because I called it in Star Wars and I'm right and in predicting eh. time travel in <clears throat> in the new Marvel movie. And people are like, "No, there's no way." I'm like, "Have you read the comics? <laughs> have you <laughs> have you read the comics? I mean, I know DC's cosmic, but have you read the comics?" Okay, so here we go. So the first two major fighting classes are barbarian. 
Fighter, Matt, I will let you go first with Barbarian. We, we had the same one. Real quick, um, talk about what the um, – maybe we'll do it like the last time. Really quickly, <clears throat> the distinction between Barbarian and Fighter for the uninitiated. Sure. Okay, so they're both Barbarians and Fighters are tanks, which for people who don't know video game terms means big, strong characters who are meant to stand in the middle of the fight and get the shit beat out of them because they have a lot of physical – strength and can just stand there and take it they the biggest difference between fighters and barbarians fighters tend to wear or or they can wear armor barbarians almost never do Mm -hmm. uh and barbarians are even less like intelligence based classes than fighters because fighters they can do a little bit of magic and it, it helps a little bit but they're both guys meant to do a lot of damage meant to be real strong and hardy uh, and meant to hurt uh, hurt people with their weapons or with their fists. Um, and Barbarian, I, we both had the same thing. Yes, I go. think it's the easiest one. It's the Incredible Hulk. Yep. The signature move of the Barbarian is to go into what's called a rage, yep. which gives you good extra things when you're hitting people. The Hulk's major thing is his power is his anger. I mean, that you know, you wouldn't like me when I'm angry. That's the secret cap. I'm always angry. There is no character in the MCU who is more driven by pure anger and rage than the Hulk. Mm -hmm. Perfect barbarian. Uh, Runner-up, I had Drax just because Drax also gets pretty mad and he also doesn't wear armor and he likes just getting into the fray. But Hulk, I don't know how you argue anything is a less classic barbarian than Hulk. I didn't have Drax. That makes total sense. (coughs) Excuse me, as a runner-up. Um I do have one question about this though. I also had Hall. Yeah. Um which is would be in Drax's favor, which is so the joke of the movies, the last couple so Ragnarok, he was <coughs> having trouble getting out of Hulk form. But right. since the end of Ragnarok, he's been having trouble getting it up. And look, let's not avoid the penis metaphors because in literally every Avengers and Iron Man movie, Tony Stark's constantly making penis jokes. But yes. it's it's very clear, you know, w- one out of five, not uncommon. Um, right. I, by the way, I listened back to me and Maddie G's Avengers commentary from before Civil War. It is fantastic, man. I'm going to re-release that leading up to Endgame. But uh, we were, we, I mean, we were dying during that scene. You know, Avengers, mm-hmm. that's what we call ourselves. You know, sort of like right. a team, Earth's right. Mighty Superheroes. Um, and I believe you said that Hulk smashing Loki was Whedon's favorite quote-unquote fight scene ever. Or something like uh, that. Yes, yeah. he, I think he. I think in the audio commentary, Whedon said something like, "If I never directed another scene, I would be happy with my career having just done this scene." So if the Hulk's having trouble getting it up. He had trouble getting it up at the end of Ragnarok. I mean, I, I haven't seen Ragnarok twice all the way through because I really didn't like it. Um, just for the record, guys, Matt has been more into Phase Three a little bit than me. Although you and I both really were happy with Black Panther and Avengers. That'll come up later last year. Um, but Hulk has, can't get it up all of Avengers Infinity War. And we know he's going to get it up and be the Hulk and Hulkify. Um, I will say I did like in Ragnarok that Thor tried to do the Black Widow lullaby over and over again to him. And it just got him right. punched and smashed. That was great. And I know we did. It seemed like a send up of Whedon, but Whedon, I know, actually loved that and thought that was hilarious. So Hulk's. So my argument with Barbarian Man going to D&D is with the rage mode, like <laughs> – can barbarians go in and out of rage mode at, at will? Because this would be the argument for Drax, which is that Drax can be soft. He can be a um, 
uh, Travis Willingham-esque barbarian in and out. He can be a sweetheart, weirdo, sense of humor guy, but he can also get into barbarian rage mode at will. Is there something about the Hulk having lack of control of going in and out of barbarian form that makes this a little problematic? And just the Bruce Banner portrayal of being so complicated and smart and so forth we've gotten in the MCU. Well, the latter, I don't think qualifies or disqualifies the Hulk as a barbarian. But in terms of control, yeah, you could make that argument. The way it works in the game is in Dungeons and Dragons, you have an action and a bonus action to go into rage is, or to become enraged is to, uh, is a bonus action and you don't, you have to drop it. You have to say, I drop rage. I turn it off to do a different bonus action. So it's like, it's like a spell effect that you concentrate on. You, okay. you keep it on, I think until you go around without attacking or you intentionally drop it. Dice rolling um, to get in and out or no? No, it's just a declared state. Uh, okay. And then you get – Well, that's I think like you Drax take half damage. Yeah. yeah. No, Drax is a perfectly good barbarian. Yeah. I just think the – because the Hulk has always been so clearly associated with anger. True. I, I think it, it – and I mm. in a fight, I mean the Hulk would tear Drax in half. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think the contrast is interesting because, you know, Drex gets tons of people killed and almost including his friends by signaling Ronan in the first Guardians movie, thinking right. that he can take on Ronan the Accuser with two knives. Yes. Um, but because of his discussion with um, uh, Rocket and just general growing affection for his teammates, Drex very openly in that movie turns a corner where he mm-hmm. does have some funny stabby, stabby, stabby moments in Guardians 2, but at least for the moment, he's way more under control than, you know, like it's idiot, p- childish Peter Quill, for example. Like, Drax right. seems to have it under control. So I guess the thing here is, and we'll move on, it- it's Hulk, but it depends how you play your barbarian character role-playing-wise. If you par- yes. play your barbarian character role-playing-wise as someone who has emotional trouble going in and out of rage mode and hurts his friends accidentally, like almost killing Black Widow in, in Avengers right. 1, it, that's one thing. But if you play it as just you know a, a Chewbacca, I mean, Drax is more like Chewbacca post-learning that he shouldn't kill things for no reason. Drax is more like the Chewbacca barbarian and maybe more like... Uh, who was your barbarian? Hawkman? Yeah. How does he compare to Hawkman? Much stupider. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, Banner I'm... is smarter than uh, Carter Hall or Katar Hole, whichever one you go with. Drax is a fucking idiot, which yeah. is more barbarian-like. I mean, barbarians, unless you roll a lot of 18s, you're probably going to dump intelligence or wisdom if you're a barbarian. Um, it's kind of a useless uh, stat to to bump up with that class. And you, Green Whore, you are my friend too. Okay. Um, <laughs> I am not a princess. Um, okay. So that's Barbarian. Let's jump into Fighter. Um, I, again, I think you should go first because what you had was one of the two I was between. Yeah. So Fighter – it's funny. Fighter is the one that I there I thought there were the most options for just mm-hmm. because almost anybody whose main purpose is to fight and doesn't have like weird abilities in my I couldn't think of somewhere else to put them other than fighter. So the one I came up with is Black Panther, definitely a leader um, and, and fighters a lot of times are characters that are supposed to sort of take the lead on the battlefield. They can even give orders if they get reach certain archetypes. 
he wears armor. I mean, the Black Panther suit doesn't look like chainmail, but it is an armored yeah. suit. Um, and he fights extremely well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he can use weapons. He doesn't exactly, uh, you know, his claws are sort of a weapon. Um, so I went with him. I had a lot of backup options. Iron Man, just because he wears armor, I, that wasn't a great choice. I thought Gamora is a great fighter. Black Widow is a, um, a good fighter. Winter Soldier is a very good armored fighter who does use weapons. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the one that I thought I had the most options for, and yeah. I went with Black Panther uh, mostly for leadership uh, mm-hmm. because I have Captain America somewhere else. So here's the thing. Only problem logistically I've ever found in Black Panther. I mean, there's minor problems, but... So, you know when he fights M'Baku at the beginning? It's yeah. customary when he's fighting someone who's not from the royal line of the Black Panther to take a medicine because right. he does have what's ge- essentially an ancient super serum in his body that gets passed he does, down. yeah. Okay. A heart-shaped herb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he takes the herb to get that rid of that to prove that he can fight one-on-one. One of my favorite scenes is when Bucky gets triggered by Zemo in Civil War, and everyone, including Agent 13, Black Widow, but we get to see T'Challa fight as T'Challa against, Mm -hmm. briefly, at least, in Civil War, and they wanted to show us that he was a very good fighter. Now, he almost gets skewered by um, uh, 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 M'Baku during that fight. He ends up winning. Now, he does get thrown off the waterfall and should have died other than the deus ex machina of the whole thing by Michael B. Jordan. But here's my problem, man, because this mm-hmm. actually informs my, my, my choice here, which is shouldn't Michael B. Jordan have had to take the heart-shaped stuff as well because he's of the royal lineage? It makes no sense to me. That's an um, unfair fight. It's a totally unfair fight because you have you have the other panther, essentially, even if he's you know a half-breed or whatever, he still has it in his blood, I would think. It's a totally unfair fight. I never understood that. No, I, I think it's, for whatever reason, and I don't remember the exact logic of it, because he is the Black Panther, he has certain abilities that are in addition to whatever the royal line is. And so... Uh, he, but at some point, he went through a ceremony that gave him access to those. So in order to challenge Killmonger or, or accept Killmonger's challenge, he had to lose those abilities. That Killmonger was just angry and beat him by being angrier. Um, yeah, in the comics that I read of Black Panther, it's in their blood, like how Aragorn is naturally stronger from other men, for example. The Numenor blood, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, if what you said is correct, then that makes more sense. But it was... I, I, maybe Kugler was trying to make a, a wider point of the hubris of Black Panther or that he had a death wish at some level. I don't know. But that seemed like an unfair fight because Michael B. clearly has whatever royal blood is there. So, okay. So, I'll have to table that for another time. I considered Black Panther. And then when I thought of him as essentially having super serum and then Captain America. But, right. dude, I mean, the fact that Black Panther almost lost to M'Baku, got his ass kicked by Michael B. Jordan, he needs the Mm -hmm. suit to be really excellent. I mean, let's put it this way. If you took away Captain America's super strength but but kept his muscly muscles, I would take him in a fight over Black Panther without the suit. Um, and, and just because of his pure will to live and always win the, the good fight, 
mm-hmm. know? It's not that he holds the helicopter with Bucky in it in Civil War. It's the will right. that goes into that happening. And he, you know, as, you know, the one great part of the punchiness at the end of Civil War is him going, I could do this all day, Tony. You know? Sure. And we see it in Infinity War, and God damn it, we are definitely going to see him go all the way if we haven't already seen it multiple times. I mean, the Winter Soldier for me is the greatest, if, again, if we're going D&D, is the greatest fighter display um, uh, that we've seen in terms of what Cap does and his will to fight, his will to win. The fact mm-hmm. that Bucky, he's willing to let Bucky beat him, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and this would be an argument for putting him where you put him, but I'm not going to spoil that, actually, how he deals with Bucky. And he says, I'm not going to kill you, I'm not going to fight you, buddy. You know, right. oh, What does he say? To the end of the line, right? Um, yeah, it's something like that. Yeah, to the end of the line. But I had to put Captain America here. He had to be in my team, and he's going to be the leader of the team. Sure. It's funny that you had so many fighters this time, because last time I had a bazillion fighters. So there's something mm-hmm. about the, the, the elasticity of that class, right? Um, would you would you briefly talk about your runner-ups? Because I thought they were very interesting, and I don't have any. For fighter, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, a lot of this is just... Who does a lot of fighting in these movies? I Gamora does a ton. Winter She's Soldier, a great choice, by the way. I would have been yeah. happy with Gamora. Yeah. You know, she doesn't wear a lot of armor, so she could you could call her a monk, but she does she uses weapons, and monks don't generally use weapons. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of like one of the things about them. So kind of thinking of where to put her, um, I also admit I was trying to be a little bit gender conscious because I think in my last list it was really dude heavy. Uh, so I kept trying to think where I could get women in there because I probably was overlooking some of them uh, because privilege. Uh, mm-hmm. Iron Man, I, I don't know. That came to me on a whim. I, he's not a real – he fights a lot and he wears armor. There's actually – they're playtesting right now a class called Artificer. Uh, I don't know if that's ever going to be officially part of 5e. If it is, I mean he's – Iron Man is the perfect Artificer. I mean mm-hmm. almost to a T. Um you could also call Iron Man a, a forge cleric because those guys are able to, to build things mm. kind of from scrap in the same way that Iron Man builds his suit from mm-hmm. bits of broken missiles in a cave. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm not as crazy about Iron Man as a choice, but Gamora and Winter Soldier are definitely fighters. Yeah, Iron Man is what we would call a tinker in fantasy uh, yeah. literature, which are normally gnomes, dwarves, gully yeah. dwarves, and so forth. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I like all those. For the record, you had two women last time. You had Zatanna and uh, Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman? Um, but <laughs> Wonder Woman as cleric is pretty huge. Um I had three. I had Leia as a cleric. Now, I did have, for the two most powerful, in my opinion, Sorcerer and Wizard, I did have ah- Ahsoka and Rey. Um, right. But it's not like either of us had an excess of women, which is really funny because one of the criticisms of the MCU is lack of female characters. Now, all of a sudden, even with the quote-unquote death of Gamora, oh, man, everyone's so surprised she's going to be in the final Avengers movie. You guys out there, uh, God bless you super nerds who thought that was actually going to stick. Um, but we've got Valkyrie. We've got fucking all the Black Panther characters that's going to come up in mind. Captain Marvel. Scarlet Witch, who's my – really is my – I realized during the Civil War, Scarlet Witch, my personal favorite Avenger that's not an original Avenger. We will get back to her. So – yeah, man, it's it's tough. You know, a part of it's just that comics and you know movies are mostly male dominated, so that's and they were for a really long time. So yep, and you, know. you, you and I both made 
the argument that in some ways the cleric is the most important party member and the fact that you or could be seen as the most or one of the most all around. It's one of the most critical. Right. I mean, if you don't have a cleric, you're really going to be hurt. I mean, you could maybe get away with a paladin, but right. you need somebody who can heal. And in general, clerics are the best healers. Yeah, and and if you look at the cleric in the way you described Diana Prince and I described Leia, you can see them being the you know the indispensable heart of the team. Uh, which, by the way, DC, nice job not making Wonder Woman head of Justice League. That was really stupid. Um, but for that exact reason, um, and uh, all right, buddy. Well, now we're into the scoundrels, um, bards, and rogues. Uh, on paper, have very different. Uh, I'm sorry, have very similar things that they can do in terms of weapons and armors, but their characteristics are very different. As mm-hmm. you pointed out and talked last time, which was really interesting, was that you know I've always thought of a bard as a musician or a troubadour because in traditional high fantasy, that's how they're portrayed. Yeah. But with my selection of Yoda, who's a musical c- creature, as you described him, like right. b- basically, I-, I was thinking of Yoda as a bard for some very specific reasons. But you thought that was a much better fit than even I did at the time, and then you. Your example um, of uh, Bard Zatanna. as Zatanna also expanded my view. And again, you know, we talked about Dazzler, the X Men rock star, but also yeah. like it could be a stand up comedian or mm-hmm. just someone who's a musical personality. Um, and so, guys, if you want an extended look at the Bard, go, go listen to uh, uh, our DD crossover podcast from last time. The first part, we talk a lot about Bards and Rogues. But basically, um, like, like Matt, let's put it this way as we go into Bard. What's like the lower limit that makes you a Bard over? Like, what do you have to do in order to be a Bard instead of a Rogue? Or is it more of just a character perspective thing? I mean, well, the- I'm not entirely sure I know how to answer that question. It's a tough uh, question. It's because uh, I'm because again, if you just look at the if, if you look at the mathy part of Bards and Rogues, it's pretty right. similar. And again, me growing up playing tons of uh, video game RPGs, you you can have your bard do everything a rogue does, and also you know have magical musical instruments and so forth. So it seems to me, at least for the purposes of our list here. It's a much about the how, a character and how the character portrays and how they behave um, because they're both kind of scoundrelly. Again, me, you know, growing up with, with definitions that are different, d- distinct from the from the five uh, E handbook. Right. I mean, the major difference or the the thing that bards can do that nobody else can is the bardic die, the inspiration die, which is a legit thing. I mean, it's giving somebody an extra one d six they can just add to any outcome they want. Uh, which is pretty damn useful if you're on the cusp of be- of hitting somebody and need you know an extra couple of shot of you know spot of uh, ticks up on your d20 to hit him. So you know that's the big thing that bards are good for is gotcha. that ability to inspire others. I got gotcha. you. Rogues cannot do that. I got gotcha. you. Um, all right, so give us your bard. I'm I just pulled out my my five e book here real quick, but I just I just want to look at the description. But um, give us your bard, and then I will give you mine. All right, so Bard was really hard. I, I couldn't come up with anybody in the MCU who was like a musician or a comic or anybody else. At first, I was going to go with Yondu, Michael Rooker's character from the Guardians movies, just because of the whistling arrow thing. Mm. And then at the last minute, I actually came up with a good one, which is Trish Walker, a.k.a. Hellcat from Jessica Jones. Get out! Who is literally a singer and performer and actor Trish by talk. day yep. <laughs> and possibly a superhero in season three by night. Uh, 
that's the best I got. I don't really know if she I inspires. Like I think if anything, she's more inspired by yep. Jessica than inspires Jessica. Mm-hmm. Uh, and certainly in, in season two, when she just becomes a total train wreck of a person, Biggest uh, mistake of season two. By far, of I, the many mistakes of season two, Jessica Jones, they set up Hellcat. She's learning Krav Maga. She's got a gun. I mean, she was so ready to be Jessica's sidekick superhero. I was way wrong on that prediction. But that's a prediction I was wrong on because I think the writers fucked up big time that she would become Hellcat. And God, I hope you're right in season three because she was so much better in season one. You know, she's she's not that she's jealous of Jessica's powers, but as a non-superpowered person in, in JJ1, she can can't understand Jessica's hesitation for not wanting to save the world. She wants to save the world. And as I always say, Jessica Jones is my superhero. Jessica Jones is her superhero. So she isn't, it's weird. She inspires, but is also inspired by Jessica Jones. It's very interesting, man. I would not have thought of that. Um, she also, it should be said, yes. however inspired she might be, she does also shoot Jessica's mom in the face. So Well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> she also tries I, to shoot Kilgrave and a bunch of other people. Um, Kilgrave, I could, I could understand. but I, And I could understand the needing powers to feel like not threatened if that had been at all a theme in season one. Mm-hmm. But that comes out of nowhere. That plot mm-hmm. comes from nowhere in season two, and it feels so bizarre and so unearned. But that's neither here nor there. We're not here to, to re-dissect. <laughs> it's just the, weird the, the, that they wanted to do an origin story for the second movie. Like, I normally bitch about the first movie and want to get to the second, so we're done with the fucking origin. I'm so sick of the fucking origin stories. They went back to doing Jessica Jones' origin story. It was terrible. But I like that pick, man. That was very, that's one that's definitely, looking at my list at least, that's won the award for most creative pick so far. Um, even though the defenders are very, 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 very loosely connected to the MCU, like Agents of Shield, so yeah, I mean, it is. It they're is even. They're so. The MC, uh, Agents of Shield is sort of connected. I the M, the defenders verse. Yeah, it's only barely. Like they basically say their names. Uh, Punisher so, season two yeah. clearly takes place after Endgame, but there is. It's also clear that Endgame never happened in Punisher Season 2 because there's no reference to it. There's no indication. Like, if half the people in the world disappeared, Mm -hmm. somebody would be talking about that. Mm -hmm. Well, Um, if I could do this list again and had even considered the Defenders, and this is going to come up again with one of your characters that I did not consider because I wasn't thinking about the Defenders, I'd have Luke Cage as Barbarian and Jessica Jones as Fighter. Luke Cage I thought about as a Barbarian. Luke Cage would be a very good Barbarian. No armor. Yeah. The what? second season is actually all about anger and mm-hmm. kind of the the generational anger in black communities um, as much as it's about anything. So, yeah, Luke Cage would have been a very good choice. Well, and just the, I mean, again, just like I picked Han and Chewie last time together, I put JJ as a fighter with him as as uh, as the barbarian, just because they're the best comic, they're the best comics couple in all of Marvel in the last twenty years, and they keep teasing us. And if they don't make it happen in the show, I don't know what they're thinking. Jessica Jones Cage is a thing in the mm-hmm. modern comics; like they're the only one that's that's been together for the last twenty years. So that would be really funny. Okay, doesn't man, doesn't she bear his child? 
Yeah, they've got a kid together. Yeah. There's in, in the current Luke Cage and Iron Fist comics, like she's calling up, being like, "Hey, after you punch the bad guys, can you grab the groceries and get some baby milk on the way home?" Like it's fantastic. Yeah. It's fantastic. Um, and uh, but he also can be Mister Mom as well while she goes out and does her investigative stuff. So that was that was cool. Okay, so just just to um, put 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 a bow on what you said, but to be clear. Whether scholar, scald, or scoundrel, a bard weaves magic through words and music to inspire allies, demoralize foes, manipulate minds, create illusions, even heal wounds. My dude, mm-hmm. I pick Loki. And th- totally. what I just read is almost straight from what I just read. <laughs> totally. I, I didn't even realize how close it was. Demoralize yeah, Loki foes, does all of those all things. All of those things, the- yeah. Totally. So Loki came to me immediately using his words to manipulate. It looks like he's not dead either. Again, people, if you thought Loki was dead and gave up the Tesseract, uh-uh, he'll be back um, for good or ill or otherwise. I don't have much to say. I mean... I, again, I hadn't gone back to the 5e before this second version that we did, but what you talked about with the Bard last time as being more than just music, as being words, that's mm-hmm. what made me think of Loki. And because he's not a pure villain, and he has been on the good guy side at times, and maybe will be again in the future, it's it's admissible. You'll 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 admit that, right? Sure. I yeah. mean he he fought again with Thor against Malekith in Dark World. He fought yep. He fought against Hela in Ragnarok. I mean, he's definitely not lawful good, uh, but he's, you know, he'll help the good guys if it suits his own aims, Mm -hmm. which is, I can't remember which alignment that corresponds to, but that is almost the textbook definition of one of the nine D&D alignments. I just can't remember Mm -hmm. if it's chaotic good or lawful evil or, or which it is, but. Okay. Um, so we move on to rogue, the other scoundrel, um, Yours are much more on point personality-wise. I'll start this one. Go ahead. It had to be Black Widow for me. Just because Mm -hmm. of the way she fights, the way she manipulates. You know, one of the things I love about Widow at the end of Avengers and Winter Soldier and actually at the end of Civil War, stop, you know... I mean, people think Widow... Let's put it this way. Widow did not switch sides from Team Tony to Team Cap. She saw which way the wind was blowing in Civil War, embedded herself in Team Tony, is giving giving Tony a hard time the whole time, and as soon as the big battle happens and Bucky and Cap needs to get away, she literally somehow electrocutes the Black Panther so that he can't catch up to them. She was always with Cap. That was the thing I was so angry about when I thought she was going to be on Team Tony. It made no sense after the events of Winter Soldier and their relationship, but I love it both the end of Winter Soldier um, um, and the end of Avengers, yes, she's doing some fighting, but she thinks of the Scepter and she thinks of the Scepter's related to things, right? And she gets on mm-hmm. the spaceship and she jumps up and she gets Dr. Selvig. You know, she's using her brains and she's doing infiltration yep. stuff at the end of Winter yep. Soldier. I mean, yeah. without her infiltration past, um, you know, the council at the end of Winter Soldier, none of the punchiness would have had any effect on anything. And Nick Fury trained her well to be doing that. And she's not a straight spy, um, even though I'm assuming spy is a, or a subclass of, of rogue, right? Um, or something like that. Assassin certainly is, and she's been an assassin. Oh, she's most definitely an assassin. I mean, she yeah. was trained by the, the Black Widow program in Russia, which yeah. basically trains sleeper assassins. I, can't uh, wait for that. I don't think spy is a subclass, but it's definitely a background you can take. I see. Uh, but no, Black Widow would could definitely be a rogue. Does covert yeah. stuff, sneaks around does a lot of kind of hit and run kind of stuff mm-hmm. fights from a distance. A lot of the time. I mean, she, she's her main, you know, signature weapon is just a, a pistol. 
Uh, and rogues tend to be more like range guys or, right. you know, stab them with knives kind of people. And remember how I said that I, I thought Solo, Han Solo was going to be the obvious rogue, but Jin kind of challenged him when I started looking at the textbook definition. Right. She's good at a lot of things. Best in a I mean, she beats Hawkeye, you know, in a knife yeah. fight one-on-one. Who would you take over Widow, you know, hand-to-hand? Um, I would definitely take Widow. So for me, this was an obvious one, but I hadn't considered the Guardians character. So you go ahead with your rugs. Yeah, so the the Guardians are in part because Star-Lord is so clearly modeled after Han Solo, who is about as textbook of a rogue as you can find. Yeah. Uh, I went with a couple of different Guardi- uh, Guardians as my rogues. Star-Lord would be a fine option. Rocket, who is, you know, he loves stealing things. He loves sneaking around. He loves scheming and making plans um the uh, the backups i had were ant-man and the wasp only because of how covert they could be by shrinking and that would be Um, my challenge to rocket and star lord is their extreme lack of subtlety is part of you know maybe you don't maybe you don't have to be subtle to be a rogue that's again how i always envisioned it but well certainly the way uh sam regal plays his rogue not is find a hiding space (laughs) shoot the crossbow and then hide beneath it Ant-Man and Wasp, it would be zoom up to normal size, punch the guy, then zoom down to microscopic size and get away, and mm-hmm. which is essentially the same thing. So yep. the shrinky people could be good backups, but I just think if you want somebody who is going to be covert and steal shit mm-hmm. and not really care about laws – I think it, the Guardians are your mm-hmm. place to go, and I think Rocket and Star-Lord are the best examples. I mean, I would give it to Star-Lord if only for the sleight of hand with the orb with the power stun at the end of Guardians sure. 1. Um, Rocket is way too unsubtle for me. I would say Star-Lord from Guardians 1 is a great example, and this isn't on you, that Guardians 2 was a far drop-off in my opinion, and whiny annoying Peter Quill that we keep getting more and more of, who's less Han Solo-y and more Luke from the beginning of <laughs> episode four in terms of his whininess. But Star-Lord from Guardians 1, you know, by the way, dude, I don't know if we ever talked about this. You know, he gives, you know, he quote-unquote gives Yandu the orb at the end of Guardians. And right. y- Yandu, Rooker gives him a very knowing smile and points at him. I don't think, especially after we see the, the Yandu sacrifice at the end of Guardians, I don't think Yandu thought that that was actually the orb. He knew, he trained Quill, so he knew Quill was doing it, but he couldn't show weakness to his men, right? Because there are a bunch of idiot marauders following him. I always loved that moment because each time I watch it, I'm like, does Yandu know? Does he not know? But the fact that Peter Quill was able to pull that off, sure, I'll give it to you. Uh, I mean, I, I think he did fool Yondu because I think Yondu, that look of seeing the troll when he uh, opens it yeah. up, is, is a pretty genuine sense of mirth. So yeah. He did I enough. Mean, he, he did yeah. enough to, to think for Yondu to leave it at that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, Ant-Man and Wasp, that's interesting. Um yeah, wow. Ant-Man. Oh, dude, is my view on Ant-Man changing quickly, just like Doctor Strange? We'll have to get back <laughs> to that later, maybe, with, with my Ant-Man position. Um, all right. Uh, no, yours is a good one. Um, and if you can't back it up, I can defend your choice uh, for you. So cool. Um, we'll get there when we get there. We'll get there when we get there. Um, so, all right, four down. Now we're getting into feeling the magic but not being magic-y with the monk. Now, I had the easiest job ever last time with Donnie Yen as Chiru because he's literally described in the script and the press materials as a 
force monk. I mean, yeah. it, it, he looks like a monk. As you pointed out, he dresses, wear, wears robes, no armors like a monk. He can feel the force without wielding the force. He's incredibly smart. He fights hand-to-hand. I mean, he's the perfect definition of the monk. Um, His I don't actor know, is the yeah. star of a long-standing yes. martial arts franchise. Yep. Yeah. And by the way, the the uh, your the the bit from uh, Marisha Ray about going full it man, I've now worked yeah. that into my vocabulary. I'm I get <laughs> mad at someone. I'm like I'm gonna go full it man on that motherfucker. <laughs> so um, why don't we move into Monk? And we this this will be one of the 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 few really interesting philosophical discussions here. Maybe um, right. So you go ahead. Okay, so my choice, I went with the easiest one. I, I mean, in my opinion, if monks are just basically ninjas, it's either it's got to be either Daredevil or Iron Fist. I mean, they are trained by Eastern martial arts masters. Iron Fist actually goes to a, a school in China or Tibet or, or wherever the hell his plane crashes. Uh, Iron Fist is probably slightly more powerful than Daredevil just because of the fist itself. But Daredevil, I think, is the best true martial arts fighter in the MCU. So I went with him as my monk. Uh, Gamora, you could say, is a monk. Black Widow, you could say, is a monk. But I actually think Daredevil would beat either of them in a fight hand-to-hand. Oh, that's interesting. I thought the religious aspect of Daredevil was part of why you put him there. Um, Not really. I mean, monks aren't really religious their power i mean they can be but their power doesn't come from faith or a god or anything like that it, you know they get their abilities from whatever spiritual way they follow. spiritual yeah. spiritual certain, yeah they they can be spiritual um although i mean does beauregard strike you as spiritual to me she's probably the most cynical character in the whole show Except when her and Ashley Birch are getting all sweet on each other. <laughs> oh, no. I, there's some real moments of empathy for sure. Some of my favorite moments. But in terms of her general outlook on the world, it's that people are shit. All governments suck. Uh, don't believe in much. And just always right. be watching your back. That's true. But what I love about Marisha's performance that took me a while with Beauregard is that she's kind of dumb from an intellectual standpoint. See it. Yeah. But, but she's got great instincts. And yes. while she might be the negative cynical one at times when other people are suggesting things, at times when everyone in the party is down, she'll step in and try and pick them up with a couple words of what of you know, cuz you can be a you can be a wise soul and not be particularly smart. Like we know people like this in real life and in the movies, right? Who just have an mm-hmm. instinctive wisdom about them and they don't even have to be the best people ever or the smartest people ever. You could make that work. I didn't think of this again, man, because I wasn't thinking of Defenders. I think Iron Fist is the monk. I I'm, I might change my pick to Iron Fist, especially because Iron Fist Season 2, guys, spoiler alert, we learn that the Iron Fist is somewhat easily transferable in terms of the fist itself. Yeah, you just need a tattoo. Danny and Rand, like- as portrayed by, by Finn Jones, is a horrible fighter. He's only good with the fist. That's why Colleen Wing was a much better choice to push up front because she actually can fight. Sure. And you give her the fist, she's way more powerful. Iron Fist, in terms of Kunlun and the studying and the Buddhism, Mm -hmm. I mean, again, this is more the monk in sort of our real world terms as opposed to their terms. Um, But Daredevil is, is so up his own ass when it comes to religion and spirituality and morality 
I would put him as a fighter, honestly. Uh, I, I don't I don't think Daredevil's in touch with the living force if we're talking Star Wars. Whereas Iron Fist, look, say what you will about the Defender series and Danny Rand as a character and the Iron Fist as a character. The bottom line is he is the first one of the Defenders to understand what's going on and how bad things really are. Even though he's the youngest and can be a dummy, in the Defender series, he's the most morally centered, even more than Luke, you know? Like, even Luke loses his way during the series. Like, mm-hmm. whether or not Finn Jones is a convincing performance is totally different. Now, I had predicted that Iron Fist Season 2 would be him going off the rails because I was like, what else are they going to do with this character? He seems so centered for a spoiled rich kid. I predicted that he would go off the rails, and he did, and that was the right choice. And for Colleen to get back on the rails when she was the one off the rails, whatever, blah, blah, blah. You guys can watch Iron Fist Season 2 much better than you might think after bad Season 1. However, Iron Fist, in terms of our real world, in terms of the spirituality, I am drawing from the comics here. I have not read a ton of Iron Fist, but I've read a little bit from a number of different ages and authors of the character. To me, he feels a lot more like the Donnie Yen, Chirrut, Inway version, personally. But I, I, I can see Daredevil, but I just hadn't considered him or Iron Fist. Um, I would probably pick Iron Fist. Well, I would also say Iron Fist emerges out of an t- era in pop culture when America was really starting to adopt West uh, Eastern martial arts stuff, was starting Yoga. to make its way yep. into pop culture, martial arts movies. Uh, all of all of that stuff, the the mysterious Far East, and, and I'm – I know that sounds racist because in retrospect it kind of was. All of that was starting to trickle in and we were starting to see a lot of cartoons and comic book characters of non-Asian people adopting Asian practices. And Iron Fist was definitely a classic example of that. Uh, so in that respect, he does kind of work as a monk even in the way Daredevil doesn't. Um, the reason I don't like Daredevil as a fighter is because fighters generally use bladed weapons, whereas okay. monks almost never do. They they could use a short sword, but they usually usually use either staffs or a K- or like spears. And Daredevil's baton, that extending baton thing, that feels like a truer monk weapon than say even Colleen Wing's bushido blade. That's true, but <laughs> Donnie Yen's awesome staff fighting quickly turns into a lipo, which can bring down TIE Fighters. So. Well, yeah, I mean, it's Star Wars. I mean, <laughs> aesthetics Star are aesthetics. Wars. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, well, I had Black Panther as the monk, and on the surface, this makes no sense, but I wanted Panther in there, man, mm-hmm. and I had a feeling you picked Panther for fighter. I don't know why, because I specifically archived it in my Bizzlecast folder because I didn't want you to uh, your list to influence me until after I did it. I had a feeling you are going to do Panther as fighter because for me it was between Cap and Panther. So I put Cap yeah. as fighter, and I was like, okay, where am I going to put Panther? <clears throat> the reason I'm going to do Panther is so he talked about how, again, using force language, you can feel the living force, you can see the movements of the force, you can benefit from seeing the movements of the force, but you're not a force user, you're not a Jedi or a Sith or whatever. Mm-hmm. Now, this is why I said this is why I brought up the the thing about Black Panther versus Michael B. Jordan earlier, which is if there is a genetic thing like Aragorn, the men of Numenor, if there's a genetic thing being passed down among all the Black Panthers and that the heart-shaped thing, you know, gets rid of that powers and orders for the test or whatever, this works better. Because otherwise he does have, but he has some sort of super serum 
that is not as permanent as Caps. It, it's it's unclear at this point. It, I, right. I, maybe it was left intentionally, you know, <clears throat> ambiguous. I don't think Coogler was too focused on the mechanics of the Black Panther stuff. I think that wasn't what his goal was with that movie. Agreed, agreed. Which makes the few mess, the few logistical problems stick out more. It's one of those he nailed ninety nine percent, so that one sticks out. Whatever, who right. really cares? Go to the comics. Maybe he'll address it in the next movie. You know, we knew he was going to die, not die by Michael B. Jordan's hand and ask for, you know, I mean, Black Panther, if you look at the movie, it, it's a pretty standard MCU movie, but just everything that went into it was so not so non-standard, but the way, the, the, the hero's journey is still the same thing, but the reason I put Panther as the monk is because the the all the substances the heart shaped thing the stuff that's you know that they're that they're growing that uh, with Forrest Whitaker and then you know Michael B Jordan right. burns down and the fact what what makes the the Wakandan version of Africa great is a Africa mm-hmm. in real life is extremely advanced in ways we are not they are more culturally advanced than us. In the traditional societies that I visited, they're more emotionally right. balanced than we are. They've got communal societies where people support each other and trying to not throw everyone on the streets or in jail who doesn't fit into like certain things. And if you go to Botswana, where I lived for a long time, it's an extremely rich country in which they have high technology and they actually use their wealth to support their entire population. And so Wakanda is based on that, but more so is that they don't shy away from the image of Africa as as being more in touch with nature than us. Because we're going to talk about this with Druid, but like, you know, I talk about Druid as nature magic. Like, right. that is what they call ATR, African traditional religion. And the reason they have to group it into this big category, African traditional religion, is because there's so many, literally hundreds or thousands of language and culture and religious groups in Africa going back thousands of years that you can't literally, you can't give one name to any of it. It's not like Islam, Christianity, and Judaism, which is, you know, two thirds right. of the world. But there is a similarity in sub Saharan Africa, I should say. Um, not the Islamic part of Africa, but Sub-Saharan Africa with African traditional religions of being in touch with nature. And mm-hmm. They don't shy away from it. By the way, two of the coolest scenes are the dream sequences he has with his right. father. You know, they really stress. That was, I thought, was a really cool aesthetic with the Black Panther movie. And what we've seen in parts of, you know, Avengers and other movies is that I thought it was going to be shinier. I thought it was going to be like the capital was going to be just metal and gleaming steel and, and glass as far as the eye can see. But they built that panther statue in the palace right into the mountain with trees mm-hmm. everywhere. And as you notice, when you first enter Wakanda, you have to fly over what looks like hundreds of kilometers of like farmland and natural environments before you get to the high-tech capital. And they even do their train system under for the you know the final Black Panther fight underground. You know, like they 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 have a strong sense of not wanting to be overtaken by the technology that's making them so powerful. A lesson that mm-hmm. we all could learn: being overtaken our, by our technology, losing touch with our environment. So this was a little bit of a look feel um, thing for me, but it was definitely being in touch with nature. He's not super powered in really the traditional sense. You take off the suit. He's definitely an above average fighter, but without, you know, but he's, you know, again, he's a lot of his qualities are, are, are not traditional superpower qualities. He's an amazing leader. His natural leader inspires without trying people follow him because he's the best, not just because he's the black Panther. 
you know, uh, and all that stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, they even have like a pretty relaxed society where a sister can give them the middle finger and so forth. Right. Um, and so I, I don't know. I, I, I I, that's what I got for you. I don't know if you think this is is way. If you think this is way off, just you can tell me. Obviously, but that's what I got. It's an interesting argument. I mean, my deal is that that is a armored suit, and they general monks generally don't wear armor of any sort. Well, it's not metal. Whatever. It's like micro. Nano but I will something. say, yeah. like, the D&D character I played last night was a monk who was a tabaxi, and tabaxi are cat people. So I can't really say that the idea of a cat person, uh, like a big cat monster monk, doesn't appeal to me on, uh, on for recency bias reasons. So, you mean like a panther person? <laughs> like a panther person, indeed. Yeah. And mine even had kind of midnight blue or black fur, so, hmm. you know. I uh, I may not be practicing what I'm preaching right now. Uh, so, sure, go with it. Yep, yep. I mean, and again, it's not traditional armor. It's not Iron Man. It's not the Hulkbuster suit. It's not even Captain America's armored suit that we've been seeing. True. And it's not like it impedes his mobility in any way, which is why monks don't like to wear armor because – Monks are dexterity based, so anything yep. that impacts their dexterity is a well. And think of this: what's the main? Remember when Sh- Shuri shows him the suit for the first time, right. and she's like, "Punch it as hard as you can." He goes flying back. Mm-hmm. So the suit is actually more about redirecting other people's power back at sure. them, which you talked about with the monk um, yeah. as being a major power. Right? Is it is? Yeah, redirect missile. So it's a major monk move. Woo! I got some D and D lore in there. There you go. All right. All right. I like it. That's right. good. Cool. I, you, well, you convinced me. I, I should be um I should be first to go on cleric because guess who's my cleric? The sister of the back Black Panther. And by the way, in the comics, for years at a time, Shuri is actually the Black Panther herself. Shuri, the sister of Black Panther, who's mm-hmm. smarter than anyone we've met, including Tony Stark. I, oh, know, by a wide margin. I, I, I hope we get that scene where Tony is, like, briefly condescending and she starts talking and Tony just, like, you know, pops a blueberry in his mouth. And he's like, yep, yeah, she's smarter than me. <laughs> you know, like, where even Tony Stark immediately is like, yep, she's way smarter than me. Um, well, we sort of got it with her and, and uh, Banner. That's uh, true. That was great. You know, why didn't you do this? Because we didn't think of it. And she just goes, oh, well, I'm sure you tried your best. <laughs> Absolutely. And, I, you know, I actually liked that she failed to get the mind gem out um, and that the Scarlet Witch was the one to take it out, but mostly for dramatic reasons. Um, mm-hmm. I know, well, we'll get to Vision and the Scarlet Witch. I know you're not a huge fan of them, but they are on both of our lists. So we will, or you have a Scarlet Witch somewhere. Um, yeah, so, I have Scarlet Witch. I, I kind of have Vision, but yeah, I, so, I don't really have Vision. Yeah, because as you've pointed out, and a lot of people have pointed out, no one's sure what his power is and, and what it means or anything. So that's part of the problem. I'll explain when we get to mine. Um, Shuri is the cleric. So part of it is she's even way more centered than her brother. She's more personally centered. She's more confident. She knows her place more. Mm-hmm. She never questions things. She knows she's going to run away when Michael B comes, you know, when uh, Killmonger comes in charge. She knows she's going to fight. I mean, she can fight. Let's be honest. We saw Shuri fight. She's a scientist. With an armored suit sort of a thing. With an armored suit, she can shoot shit with those yep. round little things she's got. Yep. And let's be honest. There's been a lot written about as great as Black Panther and specifically T'Challa are. Shuri is the one that's really been 
societally the inspiring character for people in our society. I mean, oh, she was my favorite character by far in that movie. I think everybody says that. I, I would say that too. Um, and so because of, and this is a little meta uh, meta gaming, as it were, because Shuri as people's favorite character and what could be, you know, the center of, of a future team or, or the black Panther herself. I mean, she could end up being a much better black Panther than Chadwick Boseman, who, by the way, dude, Chadwick Boseman's in his forties. He's not a young dude. So someone else is going to be the black Panther. It's not going to be Killmonger. I guess it could be Mbaku, but my guess is sure. He's the black Panther within five years or I will eat my, I don't know, my uh, iron fist. But the other thing is, she just reminds me of of Leia in Wonder Woman, who were our clerics. Like right. she has that sort of you know everyone who's around her is just immediately what we've you know a little what we've seen from her is drawn to her, and you know like some of the characters we've talked about. Yes, she's extremely brainy, but it's her sort of natural wisdom as a youngin. Right. I mean, when she gives him the finger and just gets a ha- you know half hearted angry look from his mom. It shows how much the people of Wakanda and her family respect her that she could get away with that at, at such a time. It, you know, you have to look for these little things in these two-hour movies, right? Because right. We're, we don't have the comic books. But I can tell you that Black Panther is often running off. Uh, I should say T'Challa in the comics runs off to Harlem. He has, mm-hmm. a th- you know, he gets married to Storm, and, but Storm's a complicated character, and so they get involved with him. Sure, he's always the rock, always the center, like. The, the, it's always the centered one, and which is why she has to don the Black Panther suit more often than not. Um, and she can kick butt when she has to. But let's be honest, she heals Bucky, which nobody could do, gives right. him a new arm, right? Compl- I mean, completely heals Bucky's mind, right? Yes. After decades and decades of them screwing with his mind to an extreme degree, she's the one who heals Bucky. And she, if she had a little bit more time, she probably could have got the Mind Stone out. And mm-hmm. it just didn't happen because, it, you know, they just didn't have enough time. So for me, those that was enough combination of, of sort of medicinal and power stuff uh, to make her my cleric. Yeah, I, I was surprised that you didn't lead with the healing thing, which the cleric yeah. is, is the healer class. She heals not only Bucky – she heals Agent Ross. She saves his life after he's been like shot yes, through which, the spine. Thank you, Matt. I have that in my notes, and I totally forgot to bring that up. You, yeah. you know, using medicine that, like, they, I think when they find him in in uh, Busan when he gets injured, yep. they're like, no medicine can save him. And T'Challa's like, I know someone who can. Yep. Um, I really should stop imitating somebody using an African accent. Well, That's to be fair, half of me. them are imitating African accents as well. So. That's true. It, it's not like Chadwick Boseman <laughs> talked that way, but he probably he has more of a right to do that than I, whatever. Sorry, I won't do that again. Anyway, she heals two people on yeah. screen. I mean, on top of being a great fighter and being comforting and being all these ass. other things. I had Ross in my notes, but I don't have it on my list. I was like healed. Uh, I had you know uh, healed Bucky, healed Ross. Almost yeah. healed the vision, and I, I just not looking at the notes right yeah. now. So thank you for saving me. Yes, she's yeah. the clerk. Yeah, no, I, I'm going to make a case for Captain America, but I think Shuri is a much better call, and I wish I'd thought of it because I, I, I like that as a cleric so much more than mine. Um, I went with Captain America because clerics are fighters. They are meant to do some damage and to fight and to be a little bit tanky. You know, They're not supposed to go down, and, and Captain America never goes down. I also – clerics are – 
fighters motivated by their faith, by their religion. And Steve Rogers is the only, other than Daredevil, those are like the only two overtly religious characters in the entire MCU as far as I can think of. Like Thor is a god kind of, a god alien, but he's not actually religious. He doesn't have faith in anything or anybody uh, other than just himself. Captain America is an out, is a proud Christian. And so the idea, and his Christian faith is clearly one of the things that motivates how he sees the world, how he thinks about, you know, his own responsibility to the world. And so in that respect, I think he, he does work as a cleric. Mm -hmm. If you're taking a more offensive cleric, uh, healing, not so much. I mean, he's good at comforting, but not so much with the healing. Okay, so in support of that, but he does have that sort of nebulous, passive, com comforting effect that Diana and Leia do. So yes. I did consider that. But other than the, there's only one god, ma'am, and I'm pretty sure he doesn't dress like that. How many like major Cap Christian references are made? I think he believes in people. He Look, he's from the generation before like atheism was a thing where everyone yeah. basically accepted God. I, he believes in people. And that's his speech at the end of Winter Soldier where he says, maybe I'm the only one, but I'm willing to bet I'm not. He puts his money over and over again, you know, not to get too political, but, you know, people give me crap for defending Obama and stuff. I said, look, Obama's biggest problem was he believed in people too much. He thought we would do the right thing most of the time, and that's not how the world works. But Cap keeps doubling down and doubling down and doubling down on his humanism. I think he's a radical humanist who, yes, believes in God and had a Christian upbringing, but I don't think that informs him. I think Black Panther is more tied to the spirituality or religion. I think Thor is a god, is clearly tied to it, whether he believes... I don't know, maybe Thor is an apostate, but I, I don't see Captain America as a strong Christian. That From the movies, that's just my personal view. From the view. movies. So there is much more of his faith in the comics over sure. the years, and just in the same way that you are not drawing too much on the comics, but you have mentioned them several times yep. in some of your choices. Captain Marvel, uh, Captain America's... Uh, history in the comics does inform my choice a little bit. Um, I also, enough. I wanted Cap in there somewhere and I thought this could work for it as a healer. Yep. Maybe not, but I do think his Christianity is part of what forms the core, uh, the core of his identity. Yep. I do want to point something out as a side note. So, mm -hmm. you know, part of my whole crazy theorizing about what the trailers mean for the new Avengers movies is informed by, CW Earth X thing. Right. Was that a year ago? Two years ago? That was really that good. Was two, that, that was a, a year, year and a half, half ago. ago. That was yeah. great. I mean, that was at the sort of the end of my CW run, but I love that crossover and the way they dealt with concentration camps. And dude, I'm here to tell you, I just watched Captain America the First Avenger. They don't mention the word Jew or concentration camp once in that movie. And the only time they mention Hitler is when Tommy Lee Jones is, we're going to be there to escort Hitler to the gates of hell, whatever he says, blah, blah, blah. Right. They go way out of their way to not talk about Jews dying in death camps in the MCU, even though, Matt, what was the very first introduction to Captain America? Punching Hitler in the fucking that face. That's certainly tr – that's true. And the – yeah. So it angers a me. point. I mean, yeah, the movie me. – you know, it may Red Skull makes it or Herr Schmidt. You know, before we realize who he is, he makes it pretty clear early on that he's more or less just using Nazi resources because he has his own thing. Like he's not hunting the Tesseract because he's going to give it to Hitler to win World War II. He's hunting the Tesseract 
for his own reasons. I, uh, I listen to nerds talk about this who love the Red Skull, and they're like, the Red Skull's even eviler than Hitler, and that makes him so... I'm like, how is the Red Skull eviler than Hitler? Like, how do you be eviler than Hitler? Like, he's more selfish and self-aware than Hitler, but like, he's not eviler than Hitler. He's just okay. evil in a different way. First of all, I'm super uncomfortable comparing real life people with made up people. Oh, me, Hitler was I am a real... too. No, I'm, I'm I'm just saying I don't like the the fact that they pull on World War II so much with this stuff, and they never actually mention it. You know what I mean? That, and well, I... World War II and the Nazis are like pop culture's famous punching bag. I'm uh, no. uh, how many video games. This is a follow-up so to your comics comment about how we do need to occasionally bring in comics because they do handle right. this stuff more responsibly and in greater length. But yeah, yeah, because they've had decades as sure. opposed to you know the entire MCU is eleven years old. I mean that's always worth remembering is yeah. they've had eleven years to basically completely rewrite blockbuster filmmaking. Yep. Comics have had eighty years at this point, eighty I know. plus. I'm just saying as a Jew. Earth One Oliver saving Earth X Felicity in the concentration camp was very affecting. I still remember it. I listened to that podcast with me, Britt, and Alistair recently as mm-hmm. I've been listening back. And Marvel's never done anything like that, you know? The, because that Earth X thing goes with the famous saying that Jews and oppressed people, it's like first they came for the Jews, and then they came right. for the gays, and then they came for, you know, blah, blah, blah. And eventually they're going to come for you, and then there's going to be no one left. And yeah. they've they've hinted with this with the Winter Soldier, and they've hinted this with First Avenger. This is, I know, a sidetrack, but you know, it, this goes to your point about talking about Captain America in the comics, which is that in almost every way, the Chris Evans MCU version of Captain America is better. But we don't get the Stanley Jack Kirby deep dive into history and morality and so forth. That's it. I'm off my high horse. Well, I some of that is because I think. Stan Lee actually all we and Kirby and all those guys they actually did want to say something. Disney as I've said repeatedly stays out of it. Yeah. Almost all the time. You know, they let Ryan Coogler make kind of a woke movie about black identity because they knew that would make the most money out of mm-hmm. that property. But in general, I don't think Disney ever wants to really shake the tree oh, yeah. with its uh with its, you know, giant tentpole movies they want to all make a billion dollars or more. Yeah. So no, they're going to strip a lot of the out- overt political messaging out of a lot of their films. Yeah. I mean, I think it's it's a miracle that Winter Soldier is as politically relevant as it is. It is, but the more time goes by, I keep going back to The Dark Knight. The the the, phil- the philosophy in The Dark Knight is way more interesting than anything we've seen in Marvel. As I said last time, Matt, even though I don't love Pixar movies because the animation style and the quickness right. of them make my head hurt, the yeah. deep, you know, from up to Wally to um I'm sure you can name more because you know I mean the deep Pixar mover movies are way deeper than anything we've got from Marvel. I'm a hundred percent agreeing with you. And they bought Star Wars as a dark property because it's dark, not in spite of the fact it's dark. And so it, it's funny that not Star. I mean we know Star Wars is deeper than MCU from politics wise, but the fact that Pixar is so much deeper, I would love to see that fixed in Phase Four, Five, and Six, but I don't think that's going to happen. We'll see. I don't know. Yeah. Especially the fact that Thanos wants to kill half the universe for reasons that are completely unclear, motive-wise, statistic-wise. I mean, they, they can't even – even when they get a good villain, then the motives of the villains never work. I, I don't know if the bad villain problem Yeah, you Marvel's have more of a problem away. with Thanos' motivations. I, I, I don't – I think his he's great, and I think his motivations make sense. He is insane because he thinks – 
instead of using the gauntlet to double the amount of resources in the world in the right. universe which he could just as easily do he has to kill half the universe i mean he is remember we're but supposed why? to think he has a point why does he want to because he thinks that life is expanding so rapidly it will eventually consume everything and then that's not a motive that, that's an excuse and a reason that's not a motive a motive is a personal reason how does that well, affect on him his personally? own planet he saw overpopulation uh destroy it where he warned them we need to control the population okay. kill everybody or whatever and they didn't listen to him and then the planet was basically they wiped all themselves out so then he started going on crusades where he would go to planets kill half the people and a generation later in his mind at least everything was back to normal and everything mm -hmm. was balanced and perfect and fine mm -hmm. and that was what told him this is the quest i need to be on i need to wipe out half the the life in the universe mm -hmm. and then the universe will be rebalanced all right well that'll be our one big sidebar for all this and the bottom line is the more i watch infinity war the more i love it and the more i for whatever reason whether it's the whedons or the russos all the Whedon and Russo movies are my favorite Marvel movies, and, 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 and other than Black Panther. I think I just love team-ups, First Guardians, you know? Mm -hmm. I, I even like Justice League more than most. I just love these team-ups, um, and I, I love Infinity War. And so I actually don't care that much. The Cap thing is personal, because Cap is specifically fighting Nazis and saving Jews in the comics. And yes. they, they just, you know, dance all around that. But, you know... Uh, the bottom line is the people who are woke enough to know that Hydra means Nazi uh, mm -hmm. know that no matter what. And the people who don't or don't care are going to be them. So in that sense, sure. So let's keep moving, buddy. We're halfway there. So, all right. Um, I guess we'll jump into Paladin. Uh, yeah. We also, were on the I same page one, on this one. Oh, 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 sorry. Hold on. I want to make one thing clear because we've actually been giving the wrong information. Stan Lee did not actually have anything to do with Captain America. It was a Jack Kirby and Joe Simon creation. Okay. Uh, Joe Simon predates mm -hmm. Captain uh, Stan Lee by like a couple of decades. I believe Joe Simon was Jewish though. So the meaning of it was certainly uh, as – yeah, he was Jewish, they were, so... They were the credited the writers. They were the yeah. credited writers, but Stan Lee as... I, mean, I don't think they, Stan Lee was part of Marvel or Timely, as it was called at the time okay, yet. Okay, You know... Okay. Stan Lee did most of his writing in the 50s and the 60s. So we're talking 20 or 30 years later. Okay, sure. We'll, so, we'll, we'll get I just want to be accurate. There you go. All. Sure. No no problem. But the bottom line is he was instrumental in the X-Men, which is clearly a metaphor oh, yeah, for Jews and blacks. I think there's blacks. tons of Jewish themes yeah. in there. Yeah. Yes, without a doubt. Yeah. Okay. So we were on the same page with Paladin, buddy. This is great because yeah. – well, can I just say yours because we basically yeah. have the same one? So you have Thor, Runner of Valkyrie. I have Valkyrie. So why yeah. don't you go ahead with Thor, Runner of Valkyrie because you're probably going to hit my points by talking about these, those two. So go ahead. I – you know, a paladin is a divinely inspired warrior who uses his divine favor to make his attacks even stronger. They also can heal a little bit. Thor doesn't do a lot of healing, but the image of, of Thor summoning lightning to his hammer and then hitting something with his lightning-infused hammer, that is like a pure, perfect paladin move. I mean, you can pretty much do that move in the game if you cast the right smite mm. and your weapon of choice is a, is a Warhammer. Which they like, right? Paladins tend to like Warhammers. Uh, oh, hammers. yeah. Warhammer is yeah. a, a fine choice. That's what I have. Yep. Uh, from So uh, Warhammer is a totally usable one. That's awesome. 
and, and, and so compare that to Valkyrie, which was my choice, and why you had a runner-up, and I'll add whatever. I Honestly, I think Thor is just more powerful than Valkyrie. <laughs> no, I, no, but I'm saying, why did Valkyrie even make your list? Because she's also godlike. She is yeah. also a warrior with theistic overtones. Her, you know, her powers come from sort of this same mythological core that Thor comes from. Uh, doesn't have the same energy, you know, abilities. I don't think she can mm-hmm. summon lightning or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but certainly, I, I think could work as there's a subclass of paladin called Oathbreaker. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she would be a very good Oathbreaker paladin. I have Valkyrie. Her oath, like the Valkyrie, were a whole. I think they're like a whole fighting force, right? And when he meets her on uh, that planet, like she's lost her faith and she's broken because all the other Valkyrie are dead or whatever. So she has kind of broken her oath to her sisters. That is true, Um, but we should point out the following. Yeah, she was defending Asgard before Thor was even born. Yes. Um, and she, even though, you know, she eventually, quote-unquote, lost to Kate Blanchett's horrible Hela character. Sorry, Kate, not your fault. Um, nevertheless, Thor has done a horrible, horrible job of defending <laughs> Asgard. Um, oh, yeah, he's I mean, terrible at it. I mean, first of all, it's now de- it's destroyed. In the first movie, he's totally selfish, has to be thrown down to Earth, loses powers to learn his lesson. Then he's completely fooled by Loki in the second movie, which again almost results in it. And then we get the the, the naming that movie Thor Ragnarok, which was basically two thirds Taika Waititi hipster humor, and then a really bad Lord of the Rings ripoff at the end of that movie with Idris Elba. I mean, that movie. I'm sorry, it just doesn't hold up. But nevertheless, Valkyrie was a great addition to and in the that you remember. They did almost Wonder Woman style uh, images that showed the past, the far past yeah. of Asgard, like they were reading from a book, and you saw her on the horses in the sky, like charging in with right. whole, holy fire. This was one that occurred to me almost immediately, just with sort of the holy, you know, um, uh, righteousness uh, of the image. Yeah. And then when I thought backwards about it, I was like, okay, she's the one. Plus, I love Tessa Thompson and Pump for Valkyrie to be in the movie, but. Thor, sure. I mean, I love Chris Hemsworth, but he's such a dummy. He's now that he's fully powered, he's smart. Like when he has that conversation with Rock in the New Avengers, this is the first time we see him truly humbled and not confident, really ever. Mm-hmm. And it's too late because now Asgard's destroyed. Um, <laughs> side note: I think they destroyed Asgard because they didn't know what to do with it because it kept looking bad, as if no one lived there. So they've got these huddled masses in Asgard, right? So how are they disadvantaged right. gods, right? And, but it always looks empty in the first yeah. couple movies. I, I think, it, like, with you know how we never see the Death Star go into hyperspace. I think that's mm-hmm. because they don't know how to visualize the Death Star going into hyperspace. I think mm-hmm. they destroyed Asgard because they don't know what to do with it. But definitely. The character of Valkyrie, just as Tessa Thompson, was great. And then when we learned the whole history of it, I was like, yeah, that's my holy warrior. That's my Obi-Wan Kenobi for this. But I I can see where you're coming from with Thor. Yeah, I mean, I I think they're almost interchangeable, uh, you know, personal preference. I personally find Thor to be more charismatic than Valkyrie. And charisma is one of the most important stats for a paladin in D&D. Although, so, who's her best buddy is the Hulk. Not many people can befriend the Hulk, and they had a really sweet relationship. Thor couldn't even do that. That's true. But, yes, we're both right here. <laughs> it's definitely yeah, an I, I, Asgardian I, character, no question. Okay. 
Uh, I'm going to do Ranger in two words. Ranger, Hawkeye. Any questions? Yeah, no. Okay. I'm- um, let's move on to, <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, and by the, in the way, same way, it's, it's green arrow for DC. Yeah. I mean, I think we're going to finally get uh wind river, uh, hurt locker renner in the final movie. He's so up in front in the trailers with, um, with scar Joe. I know you're not the biggest renner guy, but I do know that you like wind river. So I love wind river. Yeah. I rewatched that recently, man. And I, I have to admit, I have skipped over the rape scene before, depending on my emotional state, because yeah, it's fucking brutal. And there's not many movies where, you know, when it says like for mature audiences and it says excessive violence language, yeah. they actually have rape as a, as you know, it's not yeah. like excessive sexual violence. It actually says there is a rape in this movie. Yeah. Which I think is good that they do that because it's brutal. And the fact that Bernthal's the guy makes it even worse because I love Bernthal. And me and my dad, when we well, were. Well, okay. Movie, so for people who don't know, oh, sorry, yeah. Bernthal doesn't rape anybody. Bernthal no, is trying no. to save his girlfriend. Yeah, he gets and killed. Yeah. Death, and then yeah. assault her while she's unconscious. Right. Which so. is because we, we knew that she was raped and killed. And then when Elizabeth Olsen's about to open the door and then you get the flashback. And we saw Bernthal in the theater. Me and my dad started cheering just out of instinct for two seconds. And then we looked at each other. And we were like, oh, no. Oh, my he's God. Gonna lose. This yeah. is it. He's already lost. It, 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 he's clearly dead because they found the second body. It was yeah. like, oh, my God. But, again, let's the guy go on the mountain. She made it six miles. Let's see how far you can make it, scumbag. I mean, it doesn't make up for it. Some people thought that movie was, again, white people being up in front of a movie about Native Americans. But I dare anyone to give me um, more than a handful of movies ever made of that visibility with those actors dealing with something like rape and the disappearance of women on reservations. That's more responsibly done than that. But whatever. The movie also, to its credit, never tries to do – like that movie that came out, Detroit – a lot of people thought Detroit was kind of making the point that, yeah, there are some racist cops, but it's a not all white people kind of movie. Right. Wind River never tries to do that. No. Like Wind River never tries to make the point that only a few of them are actually bad. It's like, no, these are colonizers coming into this territory and just taking and they take whatever they want. They take land. Yep. They take resources. They take women. They don't care. Yep. This is reprehensible, disgusting behavior. And it has completely ruined this civilization. And it's a friend story because we, we briefly see his wife and his kid who he's been mm-hmm. estranged from. But it's about him and the guy who's the same guy, God bless him, from uh, Hell or High Water, who's Jeff Bridges, you know, number two in Hell or High Water. Same writer, Taylor Sheridan. And mm-hmm. I mean, there's that scene early on so much. Oh, uh, the sheriff, the the native, the, the sheriff. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Like, Graham Greene. I love that guy. Wait, the sheriff from Hell or High Water. No, oh, no, I, I'm sorry. I, I thought you meant the sheriff in Wind River. No, no, the the, the Jeff Bridges half Indian, half Mexican sidekick who he makes racist comments about and loves yes, that in guy Hell High to, Water. Yes, I forgot about is that Jeremy Renner's best friend. Jeremy Renner's just a hunter, and the reason that Jeremy Renner's character has to be the one to hunt down and kill the rapist is because he is a hunter, as he says. He's the one best equipped to do it. Right. And his friend just says, he doesn't even say it. He just says, I don't care who it is. I don't care where it is. And then Jeremy Renner just says, right where they stand. And they nod, and that's it. And you know mm-hmm. he's going to kill him. I, I'm not one for revenge fantasies in general. You know, as much as I love Tarantino, that stuff can make me uncomfortable. Wind River was a brilliant one. Um, and yeah. I, I'm looking forward to some great Renner, hopefully, in the new one. Because he looks pretty tormented about his family probably being dead. So 
Again, Ranger, Hawkeye. I love Hawkeye. More people like Hawkeye than I thought, so hopefully we'll get some good stuff. Okay, Matt, four left. We're almost there. Druid. Yes. I thought about doing Groot immediately because of nature magic. That's who you had, so I'll let you talk first. I... Druid was one of the hardest ones for me. I really struggled to come up with anything. I went with the tree guy. So I, that's that's literally all yeah. it is. Is you know Groot can grow vines. He can. He, I mean, he's in touch with nature. I guess not really even, but he can grow plants off of himself and things like that. So he's my druid because I couldn't think of anything else. It's an obvious visual-like reason, but I don't think as a character it, it actually plays that well as a druid, but that's what I went with. Um, I think your choice is actually a better one. So I have Ant-Man or Vision. So before I, I say why, because you like the choice of one one or both of those, which you liked Ant-Man. I liked Ant-Man because Yeah, if you druid, talk about that. Go ahead. Yeah, so if the druid is supposed to be in touch with the life force of the universe – who would better have access to that energy than somebody who can literally shrink down to the quantum level of the universe, who can actually see the universe as it exists at the tiniest level possible. Mm-hmm. And that's Ant-Man and the Wasp, or at least the older Wasp. You know, uh, Evangeline Lilly hasn't done that yet, but Michelle Pfeiffer has. So This is a new movie. Right. So – you could make the case that if they can actually manipulate that energy and get that deep into how the universe works, they would actually, excuse me, make good druids. That's exactly right. I use the Qui-Gon strategy here of, yeah, being in touch with the deeper, you know, uh, aspects of the force or nature or whatever. Um, <laughs> now, um, unlike Qui-Gon, Ant-Man... So in my predictions podcast, part of it was like, why are they featuring Ant-Man so prominently? And they're wearing the quantum suits. So clearly something with Ant-Man is going to be going on in, in the new movies. That's the, the final Avengers movie that's very important, which I did not see coming five years ago with Paul Rudd. But, you know, God bless Marvel. But yeah, I said, Matt, so, you know, with the mutants, they, what an Omega level mutant is. So, like, mm-hmm. if, it's, if, if you rate power, if you rate superpowers from one to ten. Right, an Omega level mutant is like a, a level Gray. nine or ten. Jean Grey, uh, possibly Rogue when she's stolen Miss Marvel's powers. Mm-hmm. Um, Apocalypse, Mister Sinister, um, Professor X, just because he could literally kill everyone with his brain, um, right. would be on that list. So I use that terminology with the Avengers. What's funny about Ant Man is Paul Rudd is a level one superhero. But Ant-Man, if he fully can use the suit, and he ends up being the one to sacrifice himself by going in the quantum zone to, to restore the universe to how it's supposed to be, with the mm-hmm. suit makes him a level 10 superhero. Like, can you think of any examples in Marvel or out of that where the person is just a dude, but when the master a suit, they could be a level 10 Omega type character? Um, not off the top of my head. Me I'd neither. Have to give it a, I'd have to give it a yeah. lot of thought. Yeah. Um, and I had Vision only because with the Mind Gem, he literally has access to all knowledge of the universe. Now, if if the Vision had the Space Gem in his head or even mm-hmm. the Soul Gem, this would be a lock because he would be in touch with everything in reality. Or even like the, the Mind Gem is – the Reality is, Gem. The Reality Stone, exactly. Um, well, they had to have Natalie Portman as the Helpless Princess yet again in Thor 2. So, yeah, you I know. don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I just want to point out though, Matt, just really quickly – 
Yeah. So after all of our favorite, I, I don't think people realize that even though you say, oh, this is the end of the Avengers, and people are like, oh, but they're going to keep making b- movies for forever because they make $2 billion. I don't, I'm not sure the average American who loves this stuff realizes the Avengers that they love are the characters from the Joss Whedon Avengers as opposed to the name The Avengers. And the fact that Thor The Dark World made as much money or more than Doctor Strange, Ant-Man, and a lot more recent origin stories, I think just goes to show that. I think one of the reasons they're going to kill off Ant-Man is his movies just aren't making that much money, and this is a great way for him to go. I just want to point out to you fans out there to really appreciate this final experience, because whether we get more Chris Evans, Scar Joe, Robert Downey Jr., you know, whatever, are these like appreciate these Avengers... Because whatever you think of Captain Marvel, Doctor Strange, Ant-Man, Guardians of the Galaxy, like none of these movies are overperforming the way the solo movies for the original um, um, movies perform. They're all at the top of my list from those original characters, including Thor 1, as you know. Original Guardians I do love. But I, I do fear that even though the new cosmic stuff is cool, they're actually making less money, especially with inflation. I mean, Iron Man made $1.2 billion, Cap Civil War made $1.2 billion. I'm not sure people really understand and appreciate it. I guess time will tell. Um, and it's not like they've had bad characters. Um, right. First of all, Captain Marvel is going to make a billion yes. dollars before yes. its run is over. But it's woke. Uh, it's super and, woke. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, and people... I think people are pretending they like that movie, but yep. that's not I agree there. with I, you. People, well, was, people like Brie Larson, including me. So, yeah. Right. I mean, yes, whatever. I agree I, with you about the pretending of the liking of the movie. Yep. You know, I and Ant-Man movies not doing very well. They also are the cheapest movies to make of the entire MCU, so they don't have to do as well to – uh, want to keep the, making those, you know, not everything has to get the exact same return on investment for Disney to want to keep investing in it. Um, and as for, uh, you know, what characters people love, I'm going to guess there are a lot of people who really like Black Panther, probably like him a lot more than anybody. Panther's an exception. It, yeah. You know, because there really weren't too many uh, really great black characters in mm-hmm. the first two phases of yeah. uh, the MCU. And by the way, you know, as you – well, I'm going to give you credit because you were on the podcast a year ago when I predicted it. While Avengers made more money worldwide, Black Panther beat Infinity War in this country. Amazing. Of course it did. Amazing. Not by a lot, but it did. So Black Panther is its own thing. I'm just saying, imagine your next Avengers team as Stephen Strange, Carol Danvers, Ant-Man. Spider-Man. Spider-Man, which, by the way, underperformed like crazy. I mean, the fact that Spider-Man made less money than Captain Marvel, Guardians 2, Thor, Ragnarok, and all that stuff. I don't know what to say because I thought Spider-Man, you know why? I think I figured this out because my nephews who are three don't know shit about anything, but they love Spider-Man. Is because the people who love Spider-Man are under the age of 12. And by the way, it's a PG-13 movie. Um, So maybe that's the reason. But that's not a great-looking Avengers team from my perspective. I like all those actors to different degrees, but that's not a great-looking Avengers team compared to the original six. I put Wanda in there. I think the Scarlet Witch is so great. Why don't we just get to the final three here, buddy? Warlock, Sorcerer, Wizard. Throw it all in. Let's do Warlock first. And then we'll do Sorcerer and Wizard because I was mixed up again with the definition of those two. And we have the same ones. Yes. (laughs) Which just shows 
the most powerful characters, man. You and I have the same one. The simpatico here is, is brilliant. I love it. But let the synergy, I should say. But let's talk about Warlock. Again, I called this the deal with the devil guy. I don't know yep. other than Loki, maybe, who the deal with the devil guy is. So you go. I have question marks here, Bizzle. I failed. I failed you, and I failed Matt. I literally did not complete this one. I got an F on the Warlock, so you go ahead. To paraphrase Stephen Amell, <laughs> you have failed this podcast. <laughs> uh, he's so dreamy. I wish the show was good. Indeed. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's going to be off the air after Thank uh, God. next fall. Oh, my God. Uh, I'm sorry, Seiko, but whatever. Uh, no, I want to read it our Green Arrow movie, ASAP, with new characters. Yeah, I, th- I think we want. can have both. Anyway, uh, my warlock is uh, Ghost Rider. <laughs> and you might be wondering, all you like super knowledgeable, movie-going, superhero-loving people, wait a minute. Ghost Rider, the Nicolas Cage movies, those aren't in the MCU, and you're right, they're not. But Robbie Reyes, the Ghost Rider who has a car, is in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And Ghost Rider is literally a superhero who makes the deal with the fucking devil. And people liked him, too. Yeah, I liked him. I thought he was the best part of that season. I didn't like robot, like, framework bullshit. I Mm -hmm. loved uh, Robbie Reyes' car Ghost Rider. Mm -hmm. I I thought he was so cool because Uh it's easy to make a flaming skull look really cool. So who would be a more perfect deal with a devil character than Ghost Rider? Mm -hmm. Uh, That was hilarious. That that was, I needed that laugh, man. That was great. Um, And I agree with you 100%. So we get on the final two. So before we do the final two, real quick question. Mm -hmm. I'm going to bring the CW in this as well for this hypothetical. Any major lead or co-lead actor or actress from the CW, um, from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., or the Defenders. You could take them and make them into the movie star version of themselves as opposed to being stuck on TV. I've said in the past Melissa Benoist, big time, should have been the one to make the jump, but that's not going to be my answer. I'm curious what you would say. She would definitely be high up there on the list for me. Uh, I... I would actually like to see Grant Gustin move into movies and see what he can do with that. Those are the two. Um, yeah, I agree. You know, I'd also like to see – I don't know how you would make a Constantine movie because they already tried it once with Keanu Reeves and it was terrible. But I think Matthew Ryan has a ton of screen presence as John Constantine on Legends. And yep. if the writing – if he could get like writers who actually had a little bit more gravitas to them and weren't kind of making – rainbow sherbert the tv show yeah i'd actually like to see what he could do with that character and something really meaty um i mean i think if, if the studios would just do more ant-man level movies of 100 230 million dollar budget a melissa benoist super girl you know relatively low budget movie would be spectacular but for me it's chloe bennett it has been from the beginning from the moment i saw chloe bennett as sky i have not seen any agents of shield for years Maybe she's gotten bad. Maybe she's whatever. I don't know. She comes and goes. Yeah, but the first three seasons of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., her look, her presence, she inter- she's amazing with Coulson, who's in the movies, was in the movies, is again in the movies, to not bring Chloe Bennett at her age with her potential. She'd be- she would definitely be the one. But the screwing up of the Inhumans in S.H.I.E.L.D. and then the really screwing up of the Inhumans in the Inhumans has now made that almost impossible. So, Yeah, I mean – I. 
I watched one episode of The Inhumans and I was so bored. I yeah. I can tolerate almost anything and I gave up on The Inhumans after one episode. Well, here's the problem. She was better as Sky. It was boring Sky. as fuck. She was better as Sky. She was better as the hacker chick who could also do martial arts because she's trained by Ming-Na. As soon as yeah. she was Inhumans, it was like it was like having to put Thea in the Lazarus pit. Or it's like um, – uh, you know, um, on Stargate Universe, which is a show you haven't watched, but you know I praise, there was a very Laurel Lancy type character on that show who was very pretty. She wasn't a bad actress, but she was just way out of place on the space opera. And so they had to abduct her by aliens and have aliens experiment on her. They had to do all this stuff to make her into a thing. The same way Katie Cassidy had to become a badass ninja because they didn't know how to write for her. Like, I, especially this happens with young women all the time. They don't know how to write for them and they make them superheroes. I think Sky, just as a shield agent, you know, her and Natasha would be awesome together. So, anyways, that was just a side question. So, all right, pal. Sorcerer Wizard, I screwed this up. We both have Doctor Strange and the Scarlet Witch. So please re-educate me and, uh, and educate or re-educate the Bizzle about the difference between Sorcerer and Wizard, and then we can talk about why we have Strange and, and uh, Wanda here. Sure. So Wizards – the basically wiz, the shortest way to describe it, Wizards study, and they gain their spells from learning and going to school. Sorcerers manifest innate magical abilities. Which I got general, wrong. I got those mixed yes. up. Yeah. In general, Wizards can learn – any spell that they can find, although they have schools they go to that I think hone their focus a little bit. Sorcerers only have a limited number of spells they can cast, but they can use their sorcerer abilities, what are called sorcerer points, to double the the damage, double the effect, speed up how quickly the spell goes. You know, they can augment the magic. So it's kind of like a wizard will have a giant spell book a sorcerer will have like six spells that they know how to manipulate 12 different ways. Mm. Um, so, yeah. So in terms of, and they're the magic key characters in the MCU. Let's be honest. And yeah, I even talk about before I did this list, when I was doing Cap Civil War the other night, I talked about how they specifically worked with the Scarlet, you know, the stuff she does with her fingers when she's making yeah. this stuff happen. She's a finger coach. Like, they specifically have someone who works with her so that it doesn't look too mutanty because she can't be a mutant right. yet in this universe. I think they're going to retcon that. That's a different story. However, they also did not want it to look like Doctor Strange or Benedict Wong's character or whatever. Right. And, and we'll but, also yeah. do fingery things. And by the way, not a coincidence that Strange is in the black and white photo and Benedict Wong is in the color because I think Benedict Wong and Doctor Strange – knew what was going on from the beginning of the Infinity War. And Matt, I ask you, because you were the one who got me on board that the Dormammu ending of Doctor Strange was both brilliant and hilarious. I am a thousand percent... Brilliant as I hyperbole. I thought it was clever. Well, it was brilliant in the sense of being different from every other super punchy yes. b- DC Marvels thing. Yes. B- but also because it's brilliant now because I didn't realize how important he was going to be in this whole Thanos thing. Right. If Doctor Strange can literally tort- mentally torture Dormammu with an infinite time loop into letting us live, then why right. can't he beat Thanos? I don't understand this. I maybe he'll explain He's beating it. Thanos. He's beating yeah, him I'm- now. He lets himself get ashified. What does he say to Tony? Right? He's like, Tony, I'm sorry. There was this was the only way. Right? This was the only way. You know, he's he yep. goes into fourteen million two hundred and thirty four whatever futures, and he sees one mm-hmm. out where they win, and this is clearly you know, and yep. he even says 
we're in the end game now. Like yeah. a lot of people pointed that out. That end game is a, a word that Doctor Strange mutters yep. in the middle of Infinity War, uh, as opposed to you know being a reference to any particular uh, arc from Avengers comics. Yeah, and Benedict Wong is in the color universe, you know, Earth 1 or Earth 2, depending on how this plays out. So whatever. I, I think when we see Benedict Wong and Doctor Strange at the beginning, they're already starting to put together what the hell's happening because he, he's talked to Thor already. We know – I mean, let's be honest. First of all, American accent, much better <laughs> with the Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, yeah, um, it improved a lot from his solo movie. But he was my favorite character in Infinity War because I could tell that he was manipulating stuff from the beginning. And I've been upset that Benedict Wong has just been the sidekick because in the comics, if you take away the, the Eye of Dormammu from Doctor Strange, Wong is just as powerful as Strange is. So mm-hmm. it would make sense that, that Benedict Wong would be operating in, quote, unquote, our universe, the color universe. In the black and white universe, Doctor Strange goes ashified and they're going to be working on it from both ends. Uh, I think Rocket's alive because he's a raccoon and not a humanoid. And, and I think Tessa Thompson's alive because she's a god like Thor. So if Thor doesn't get astrified, I think Nebula's not astrified because she's more machine than woman, seemingly, at this point. Now, why Pepper Potts and John Favreau are in the color pictures, I have no idea. Other than it's a tribute to the original one. But it, it is interesting uh, the, way they, the way they divided it up. And I'm uh, honestly... If if Doctor Strange is fifty percent as cool in this Avengers movie as I'm hoping he will be, he's actually the one I'm most excited for the second film. But mm-hmm. we'll have to see how that plays out. Um, I've told you many times how much I love the Scarlet Witch. We don't even talk about the Vision thing, you know, um, romance or even the character. But I just think the 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 arc that she's taking from all, all taken from Ultron till now is excellent. And if she is going to be, oh oh, this will be. Um, uh, well, did you want to say anything else about the sorcerer and the wizard? Because I just had it backwards because I kept thinking sorcerer was the one who was trained up. And well, I, it doesn't yeah. help that literally Doctor Strange's tag lo- nickname is the Sorcerer Supreme, Supreme which and not. that in a lot of pop cultures, for yeah. instance, Harry Potter, which is the word used for a female magic user. So, yeah. you know, Hermione Granger is a mm-hmm. witch who goes to Hogwarts School of Wizardry. So. Uh-huh. All right, so one quick thought about the Scarlet Witch, and then I'll give you final thoughts and we'll close this thing up, which is, you know, I've been saying I did not want X-Men to come to to Disney because even though Disney will have higher quality control, Deadpool and the Wolverine – I'm sorry, Deadpool and Logan are two of the best, if not the best among a lot of people or in the top three to five (laughs) comic book movies, and they were rated R, and Disney's never released a rated R movie before. Right. Um, but more so, I just don't want all of them in the same universe. But based on what I said earlier, man, about my worry about losing all of these original Avengers and getting, you know, people like Captain Marvel and Doctor Strange, who I think people have convinced themselves that their movies and them themselves are better than they actually are. You phrased it perfectly with Captain Marvel. People have definitely convinced themselves that that movie, I mean, I think people convinced themselves that Black Panther was better than it was, but that was by like 20%. I think people have convinced themselves like 60% that Captain Marvel was better than it was. Whatever. Um, But nevertheless, the one reason this could be good is because Deadpool 2, which I loved, 
and because it brought in so much stuff from the X-Men Messiah Complex a series right. that's been going on. Specifically talks about Cable, Josh Brolin's character from the future, and his daughter Hope, who's the first mutant yeah. born in like 500 years because guess what? The Scarlet Witch goes completely nutsos and kills all the mutants on the planet. Right. No more mutants. Yeah, I know. So that would be a great tie-in and a great way to put Scarlet Witch forward. Now she's going to have her own TV series. The extent to which Vision will be involved, we're not totally sure, but the Scarlet Witch is definitely going to be on Disney Plus in the next year or so, which I'm thrilled. Give me more Elizabeth Olsen. Give it to me. Give it to me. Give it. Also, she was fantastic in Wind River and a bunch of other movies in the last couple of years. So if they can somehow retcon her being a mutant or a semi-mutant and work it in, like basically I want the, the, the Brian Singer X-Men thing to just mm-hmm. stop after Dark Phoenix for a while. And I want to stop before Dark Phoenix. I think Dark Phoenix looks lousy. Well, that's not going to happen, man. It, no, it's, it it's got to come out. They've spent like forever making it's, the damn It's thing. going to be like Apocalypse, way better than the trailers and way worse than it should be. Um, but that's been the X-Men's MO other than Days of Future Past. I know you love First Class. It's super fun. To me, the only transcendent X-Men films are X1, X2, and Days of Future Past. Whatever. Anyways, point being... I want them to focus because they're not going to stop making Deadpool movies. It's not going to happen. They're going to have to do rated R stuff. They've already said they're going to put it on Hulu so they can do the rated R stuff. The Defenders, if they come back, which I've been predicting, and I keep hearing more and more that Defenders are coming back, that'll be on Hulu. So that's fine. But if they can focus on X-Force, Deadpool, Cable, Domino, X-23. And by the way, by the time this X-Force experiment happens, Daphne Keene is going to be 18 years old. So... Mm. Just saying. I, I would love that rated R vision um, to t- t- contrast to the, you know, pop corny Marvel stuff. Um, so I have one question for you, and then you can end on a final thought if you want. So did you expect Infinity War to be as dark as it was, and or do you think the final movie is going to be even darker? Um, I thought it would be fairly heavy just because – Usually the uh, um, you know the uh, the Russo brothers, none of their movies are like light. Uh, you know, there's not nearly the sense of humor that Whedon brought uh, to his Avengers movies, or just sort of the general sense of humor he tried to bring to um, just to Phase One, and you know the half of Phase Two he was kind of involved with. Uh, so I, I expected it to be kind of dark. Um, I. I really didn't think it was going to end with spoiler alert Thanos winning and half the galaxy, like half the galaxy dying. So uh, I did not really expect that. Certainly, all the trailers are setting up this movie as a super somber movie. Uh, I have a hard time believing that's going to be the tone for the whole thing. I, I, I think I. I don't want to get into too much prediction with it. I really listen to my to podcast, in- people. Matt doesn't have time, and neither do I. Listen to my prediction podcast. It's not time. I don't. The more I think about what I want this movie to be, the yeah. more I set myself up to be disappointed by it. Avengers. Well, it's going to be three gonna, hours long, so be prepared yeah, for it's three hours be of disappointment. Whatever it's going to be, and I kind of just want to go in. Well, I think th- the reason I'm pushing the alternate universe theory is actually for dramatic. Um, and movie watching reasons more than some like philosophical thing, which is we can get an hour of a dystopian future scenario where the Avengers are all different and it's really, really, 
you know, fucked up and everyone's dying and blah, blah, blah. And then they can move their way back into the prime timeline and bring it together. And then we can get a Joss Whedon fun ending to all this. Like, I think we can have a super somber movie that also ends up in a super fun movie. That's what I'm predicting because they don't want to leave people with what you described at the end, in their taste in their mouth at the end of three hours after all this. I agree with you. I think that would be a disappointment just in structure, but I don't think they're doing that. I think everything we've seen in the trailers is in the first hour of the movie. Movie. And finally, Matt, finally, Matt has, Matt, finally, Marvel has listened to all of us to stop showing the ends of their movies. And they're right. literally not showing us anything from the final hour and a half to two hours, which I think is going to be not that dark color filter from the trailer, but they're just trying to build the stakes. But we'll see. I agree. No, I, I think um, also they could get away with kind of leaving people bummed out after uh, uh, infinity war because they knew they were literally making just the first half of a movie that they were going to finish up a year later. This is the completion of, I mean, Feige has talked about how this is essentially the end of the idea of the MCU as centered around the Avengers that whatever phase four, five, six is going to be, it may not be Avengers focused in the way that the Avengers movies are the capstones for each phase i don't think they are going to have their last avengers movie so to speak be a downer i I think disney is way too smart for that in terms of parallel realities and time travel and all that shit any of that stuff could work in general i think disney has been wise to keep that stuff a little minimal because they know that most audiences people who don't grow up reading comics and science fiction can only stomach a little of that before they really get turned off to it. Right, because, but they're going to structure it around the original six and the dramatic tension of it. That's what's going to make it work, not being crazy. It's the same reason Donnie Darko works. Even if you only watch Donnie Darko once and have no idea what the fuck's going on with the philosophy, it seeps in at a deep level because you're really into the character drama. But I think them, like Donnie Darko, are having going to have a sense, the Earth 2 Avengers or whatever you want to call them, that something is off, something is wrong, and the world's fucked up. There might be a time jump of years, but I think we're going to see a mirroring of the first Avengers movie, man, where, as I've been saying, the Avengers meet each other again for the first time. And how fitting would it be a tribute to the fans, the characters, the actors, Joss Whedon, John Favreau, to have the Avengers team up in a brand new way, an alternate universe, but have that just be the first half of the movie, and then we have a glorious second half, end of the Return of the Jedi kind of stuff in the second half. That's what I think they're doing, not just for coolness factor, but for reasons you're saying, of keeping the stakes high, matching the tone of the end of Infinity War, but then eventually giving us the popcorn fun that we won at the end. That's been my main argument over three hours of solo podcast. But you guys can check that out, see yeah. if you agree with me. Um, I've thought a lot about it, and it happens in the comics all the time, Matt. So, you know, it does. You, you and I as comic book people, we can't rule this stuff out because even in some of the most popular DC – I mean, I would say even more in DC, some of the most popular DC cosmic stuff with Flashpoint and stuff is involved with this, right? So, Flashpoint, Crisis on Infinite Earths, yeah. Crisis Zero Out. No, comic books rewrite reality all the time, and, and the audience has long since learned how to handle all that. Right. Movie going audiences are a little bit different. If they can make it work without the long exposition dump yeah, that, that utterly ruined the start of Captain Marvel, they won't do that. It'll be fine. But all of that stuff with the Kree and the Skrulls at the start of Captain Marvel, yeah. so uninterested 
me that Agreed. by the time they got to Earth and the movie got okay, I was already pretty unengaged we with it. We are so and, on the same page on this. And yeah. it's really easy to lose audiences when you just throw a lot of nonsense bullshit at them. So if you're going to do time travel or alternate Earths not or parallel travel. realities. No, not time travel. Any of that stuff, just be really careful and do it in a way that doesn't need to be explained yeah. it over like a 10-minute conversation where people are just standing around talking. It's not a coincidence that they gave Natasha blonde hair in Infinity War for the only time ever. And we see extensive shots of her looking way different with super red hair. Hawkeye's got different hair. It looks dystopian future. Tony looks different. The camera filter is way off from any Marvel movie we've seen before. I yeah. mean, it, they could be lying about all this, but as you know me, man, as a movie guy and a science fiction guy, I'm looking at the signs. And right. I'm also the guy that says if this is a 9 out of 10 or 10 out of 10 movie and has nothing to stuff I'm predicting, I would be fine. I'm the guy who can go into these movies and actually leave all my expectations at the door. I can't even think about the last time that a movie really disappointed me because of expectations. I guess Thor right. Ragnarok would be, the, or, would be the example. Thor Ragnarok would be the one where I was disappointed. But for the most part, even the Star Wars movies, uh, you know, I mean, I was able to talk myself down about Rogue One. I was able to way talk myself down about Last Jedi, which is why I liked it more than I would have. You know, mo most nerds I know went into The Last Jedi thinking it was going to be as good or better than The Empire Strikes Back. And I was like, eh, guys, you might want to pull back on that a little bit, you know? So I, I'm, but the moment I sit down that Thursday night premiered uh, April 26th, my mind will be clear. But until then, I'm going to keep reading the signs they're giving us, which is that there's definitely alternate realities here, but they're going to make it palatable to the audience. It's not going to be exposition. It's going to be exploring the Hawkeye-Natasha thing, which never happened in our reality. You know, it's going to be exploring the other characters being kind of different. And why is Nebula in that reality? And why is Rocket in that reality? And blah, 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 and fighting together. That would be, again, though, I agree with you. It can't be exposition heavy. It has to flow right into the main story. They have to communicate it through the drama and the characters. And if they do that, people, look, people went along with Doctor Strange. I mean... That's it, true. It, it wasn't just Rotten Tomatoes that gave Doctor Strange good reviews. Like audiences across the board love Doctor Strange. That made more money than Spider Man. I think I need to look up. I mean, that's unheard of. I, there were there were too many superhero movies that year, and Spider Man was one of the last. And I think by the time it came out, everybody was a little bit tired of superhero movies. Fair there enough. were like. But the, 12 that year, I think. Right. But the fact that the character of Strange and the, the whole Dormammu thing sold to people at all. I mean, yes. you know what other movie made a ton of money that Strange stole a ton of is Inception. Yeah. Inception, other than me, is one of people Christopher Nolan's favorite movies. It made a shit ton of money. That movie is incomprehensible, the amount of exposition in Dreams Within Dreams and Dreams. So yes. if Inception can make a billion dollars with Dreams Within Dreams Within Dreams, that makes zero sense – then I don't know why they can't slip a little alternate universe in the back door. And I know that you'll be enjoying it and people like you who do read comic books because we've been there before and we've never really seen it on screen. Again, other than Earth X and a couple CW crossovers, I've never really seen it. I think it's going to be more like Wolverine and Days of Future Past. It's not going to be traditional time travel. It's going to be like their minds going to a different place or something like that um, mm -hmm. is my theory. So, okay, Matt, thank you for doing this. Um, 
God, this really took two hours? I thought we were speeding through this. Oh, man. All right, buddy. Well, I really appreciate your time. At Quazman CCT online. Bryce Harper, first home run today, baby. I just got my T-shirt. I'm totally pumped. Let's go, Phillies. BizzleCast listeners, you've been great. Thank you, Matty G. Thank you, listeners. I've been the Bizzle. May the force be with you, and the BizzleCast is out.